Hey, you guys, it's Havala. All right, before we get started with today's podcast, which is phenomenal, I'm not kidding, you're going to love it. I want to let you in on something that I have created just for you. You know how we want to put God first, right? Like we want, we know that when we put God first, our marriages get better, our parenting gets better, our hearts get better. It's just, it's the right place for him to be. But in a world that often has us wanting to elevate everything to first place, we need to find communities that puts God first, that elevates the voice of God in our lives. I know for me, I was a young mom with four kids, working a job, and just trying to find somewhere where I could invest in my spiritual life for like eight minutes a day. And I couldn't find that back in the day when I was looking for it. So I created something called the Truth Academy. Now, the Truth Academy is a place that puts God first. It's a place where you're going to find other people just like yourself that are trying to hear God's voice in a noisy culture. What I love about Truth Academy is we really try to show you the best, easiest, and straightforward spiritual path for you right now. We take a theme every month and we unpack that theme. There are core values. Those core values are like the big rocks that need to fit into our lives and then everything else can be added. You know, if you are doing life and you don't know how to hear God's voice, life can feel really confusing and overwhelming. Or if you're doing life, but you lack an ability to accept yourself as God created you, then we can feel insecure and inept. And so we need communities and messages that give us the full perspective of heaven, why he created us and what we were created to do. So at Truth Academy, we're going to help you find your purpose. We're going to take you from feeling stuck and overwhelmed to empowering you that you don't have to work as hard as you think you do. And we're going to give you bite-sized pieces to help you in your busy life find your best spiritual path. And the best part really is you're going to find your people. These are people that are just like you, thousands of people around the world that are like-minded. They're spirit-led people. They believe that God should be the first in their life and they want him to be. And they're looking for other people that have that same core value. There's a community that will pray for you, encourage you, celebrate your successes. And when you feel like you're broken and needing someone to pray for you, guess what? They're there. They want to be that person in your life. So if you need a community like this in your life, I want to encourage you to invest in Truth Academy. It's a members only community so that we keep it it we keep it filtered, right? Yeah, we can have it as a public access, but really when you have a community that people have to buy into, the quality of the community is better and it helps us know that we are at a safe place. We're going to find people that want to uncomplicate biblical truth and we want to activate you. So today, there are two ways that you can invest. First, you can invest monthly. Maybe you're not sure if this is the right thing for you. I get it. I always like to do the first month and figure it out. So if you're like me, um, you can do the first month. In fact, for our listeners today, we are doing a 50% off. We're giving a 50% off the first month. That's $7.50. I mean, that's like, that's less than my Starbucks coffee order at Target. And it's going to give you everything, everything that you could want 
and the community, the curriculum, all of it, that's as simple um, as $750. But if you are like me also, that's like, you know what? If I do this by the month, I'm not going to follow through. I need to make an annual commitment. Then I want you to sign up for our annual community. Like that's all year. And for those of you that are listening to this right now, we have prepared a special pricing. We have a code that's TRUTH20. That's T-R-U-T-H 20. And that will give you a extra $20 off our annual plan. Again, that's TRUTH20. Easy for me to say, right? TRUTH20 to save $20 off your annual plan. You know, don't wait. There's never going to be a perfect timing for these things. You just got to invest where you want to be, your future self. So this month, we're jumping into a brand new theme on the first of the month. And it's kind of exciting. In fact, we're going to talk about intentional living. I'm going to give you practical ways to do that. And you are going to go on this journey with thousands of other people just like yourself. So if you're ready to jump in and start today, go to thetruthacademy.com. That's three words, thetruthacademy.com. We can get you signed up, included in the community by the end of the day. What's stopping you? Let's do 2022 together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Home with Havila Podcast. I'm your host, Havila Cunnington. And today, we are continuing our series on focus. I don't know about you, but there's a lot coming at us. And the idea that we could actually take one part of our life and focus on it, I think can change our whole lives. I know when I've really focused on health, my life changes, focused on better finance, my life changes. It really is just these little things in our life that if we take a dedicated time, everything can change. And so our really our goal here at Truth to Table is to help you, well, uncomplicate the things that seem to be complicated and overwhelming and you're not sure how to do it. I want to just give you bite-sized pieces so you can do it. Like you can change your life. You can absolutely change your story. So today we're going to talk about focusing on our finances. Now, I know some of you are like, click, next podcast. You don't want to talk about it because finance is a really touchy topic. I mean, in terms of even reasons marriages split up, it's the top two reasons, maybe even the top reason marriages split up finances. It's a hot topic. So there is a financial personality. There's a way that we do it, you know, all the things. So I guess what I'm going to ask you to do is just give me a few minutes of your time. Don't panic. Don't go to the next podcast. You're going to find hope today and practical things you can do that is not going to feel um, overwhelming. I promise we're going to get there. And you're going to love my guest. My guest is a author. She's written a book. I'll let her talk more about that. But I want to make sure I say it right. She has a Hebrew name. I have a Hebrew name. I feel like all <laughs> I ever do is tell people how to say my name, which is it's ha- it's Pamela with an H. Oh, I and love that. I know. So what, what's your classic way that you tell people to say your name? My name is Samia. So you say Sam and, and Mia. Mia and just yeah. connect. <laughs> I yeah. know. Do you have a Starbucks name? Sam. Sam. <laughs> I know. Let's be real. See, mine's Ben. 
I use my husband all the time. Like I love literally that. it's always been. So it's just the classic. Anybody who has a hard name, we all get it. And we just don't want to spend the energy explaining it and then getting something, you know, weird on our Starbucks. But Samia, thank you for being here today. I'm really excited about this. I got your book last year and love the cover, love the design on it. Excellent, excellent way of doing that. But tell us a little bit a bit little bit about yourself and like why finance is a big deal to you. Yeah. So the book is called Money Handbook. I actually took your fun course on how to write a book and that yes. launched me from writing it. So it was written, edited and published in like six months. Come on. That's yeah, hard so to do. So that was super fun. <laughs> it happened during my children's nap times. So I'm really passionate about finance because I was actually in the financial industry as a financial advisor for many years and managed a few hundred million under assets. So yeah, you really have to have like a certain type of skin to do yes, that do. and a certain personality and a lot of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then after being in finance, I was in banking. I actually got into fashion and owned a clothing store with a friend of mine, which you bring all the finance with you for the budgeting and the buying and all of that. So you, you know, you carry it with you into the next chapter, whatever you do. And so, um, just going from finance to fashion, I just learned a tremendous amount of being like an entrepreneur, a business owner, how to invest, how to save, how to budget, how to use debt to your advantage. And so it was just really great. And when I started having babies, I ended up um, becoming a stay at home mom. And that's when the book happened. Yes. I literally wrote it when my two and four year old had nap time, <laughs> which I relate to <laughs> so much. You get that little treasured two hour. Moment. And I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> but also for some of you that are home with your babies, you might be feeling like God, pulled me off of the, yeah. the road and you pulled me off of mm -hmm. this amazing career track yes. and maybe God wants you to take everything you knew and write it and develop something. So I get excited about that. That's when I developed my first book was wow. when I quit my everyday job and cut coupons so that I could be home with my kids. But I wrote my book during that. So that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I know. Yeah. I mean, it really started as a passion project. I just felt from the Lord, like, I want you to write this book. And I want you to teach Christians how to multiply money like the Jews. Yes. So I'm Jewish. Sammy is a Hebrew me a name. Yes. It means God hears. It's after Samuel. Remember Hannah was barren. Mm -hmm. She had Samuel. Mm -hmm. And she's like, God has heard my prayer. So that's like the root word of it. So I'm like, okay, Lord, let's do this. And what started as a passion project where I just thought like my Jewish mom would just like buy 50 copies and give them away. <laughs> I'm like, literally, mom, my, my mom is the only one that's going to read this book. Um, it really has just blossomed into something completely out of what I ever thought it could be. Yeah. So my heart is just to give back, to teach people how to be literate with finance, to be comfortable with it, to be confident with it, because there is a definite like destiny on the finances on your life, just like there is the purposes of what you should do with your giftings. And I think that if people can hone in on that and partner with the Holy Spirit, they will go much further. And it's kind of one of those subjects that like, it's not really talked about. It's like sex and money just like aren't talked about. <laughs> yes. I joke with Caitlin Zick. I'm like, let's, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> so I just want to bring it to light because um, if you don't talk about something and you don't learn about it and you don't have knowledge, you're afraid of it. And so to overcome the fear of feeling inadequate in a subject is to learn and to grow in it. Yeah. I mean, let me just stop you right there because you said something that was so, I've never heard anyone say, which is that you have this, a purpose connected to your finance and just like your own calling, your 
I mean, in my brain, it would be, oh, those that are good at finances have a calling to develop wealth for the kingdom. But I don't think that's what you were saying. You're Mm -hmm. talking about our own lives. 100%. Okay. So what does that mean? So, um, you know, Psalms 139 puts it really well. We, we all kind of look at that scripture and we're like, yes, like we're created in our mother's womb. But verse 16 specifically says all the days of your life are written in a book before one of them came to be. So you're like, okay, there's a book written about me. What is all that about? And so there is literally a book written about Havala all the days of your life. It's already done. The things that God wants you to accomplish, the people he wants to connect you with, the doors he wants to open, the people that are supposed to be impacted by your message, the Lord has laid that out. And it's a matter of being like, okay, God, I want to partner with what you've written about me. What did you write about my finances? What is in your heart for what I'm supposed to give? What's in your heart for what I'm supposed to make? What's in your heart for the influence you want me to have? Because a lot of times places of influence require money. So that's what I mean by there's a destiny on your finances, just like there is on the giftings and the talents, because they both bring you to places to impact this culture. And if you're filled with the spirit and you're rooted and grounded in the Lord, in your identity as an heir, as a son or a daughter of Abraham, and you have access to the promises that were given to Abraham because of Jesus. I mean, listen, the whole argument over in the day when it was like, should we be circumcised? Should we not be circumcised? It was all about the blessing of Abraham. The Jews were like, um, the Gentiles, uh, no, (laughs) they don't get that blessing. And Paul was like, Hey guys, whether you were first to work or last to work, you all get the same. Right? So the point is that blessing of Abraham, that inheritance is financial blessings. Yeah. He was a man of gold, silver, and land. And so the financial blessing that was on Abraham, we can walk in that, but we have to know how to steward. We have to know how to lean in and listen on when to invest, when to give so that we have an impact. Yeah. I love that. I mean, Proverbs 31 woman, she saw a piece of land, she bought it. This is a very, okay. So man, what you're talking about is I just want you to keep going, but I want to make sure that I ask the questions because I only have a little bit of your time. Um, Okay. So I begin to filter, okay, I've got a call. All the days of my life are written. God had a a financial purpose for me. I'm going to look at all that. And I would agree with you. I don't think I realized how much finance puts you in rooms with other influencers and you can change culture. And it's not thousands of people, but it's, it does bring you to tables Mm -hmm. that I would, I would normally think, oh, you have to have a certain call or a certain gift. Yes, but finances really do allow you to partner and build the kingdom. So I'm curious, what about the person that's sitting here and they're saying, but my finances are a mess and it's been COVID and I mean, we ran out of stimulus checks and what do I do now? Like, how can I start to change the way that I view money and finance? Because honestly, I never look at it and I try to just pay my bills as fast as possible with Mm -hmm. a glass of wine and just keep going. How do, do we do? Yeah. Okay. So from a practical standpoint, the very first thing you want to do is not have credit card debt. First thing to tackle. So whatever that looks like, um, do you have a gift? Do you, are you good at editing? Can you go somewhere online and be a freelance where people can hire you for a certain amount of money an hour and you can edit for them or be a content writer? Do you, are you, do you have a car? Can you 
um, do Instacart, yep. grocery shop, you know, anything that will bring an extra stream of income for a certain amount of time to pay that debt down. Yeah. There's, you know, we live in the internet age and there's so much you can do to make money online, even if you sell stuff on Etsy or use your current resources to bring in more income to pay the debt down. Yeah. So once there's no credit card debt, the next step is to figure out a way to make your money multiply. So your your dollar bills are like little soldiers. Mm. So you view them like that and you're like, okay, Lord, what? how much of this am I planting into the kingdom? Church, ministries, uh, maybe I want to support these people who help women out of sex trafficking. Yeah. Like whatever your heart is, whatever you're passionate about, I always encourage people to give in those places and to sow into the places where like your giver button starts to go off. Like you care about that. And then what's left over is what you eat and what you want to sow so that it multiplies. And what that may look like is, okay, like let's save up so that we can have a down payment to own a second home that we can rent out. Or I'm going to start investing in the stock market every month, $100 a month. So it's just um, getting rid of like the limiting beliefs yeah. that if you didn't get straight A's in finance, yeah. you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because anybody can invest. You don't have to have a Series 7. You don't have to be um, an MBA in finance to do that. You just have to educate yourself enough where you feel comfortable. And some of the things I cover in the book are how to do that. Which is what we need. Yeah. I was telling my husband, you know, where we just purchased a home and our first thought was we have to sell this home so we can have the 20% down so we get the next house. And then as we started talking, it was actually funny. I was having a conversation with a friend's husband and he said, oh, you know, we're going to take this house and turn it into a vacation rental. I need the, the write-offs and I need to keep, you know, for next year. And I, again, was not raised around investment. I was raised around no debt. Like that right. was my financial purpose was no debt. And I have had no debt in my life. I mean, I have paid off every car. I have paid off. I've never had credit card debt. Like I'm very vigilant about no debt. That's the only financial stuff that I know. Which Again, is good. It's a good foundation. It's a good foundation. I mean, I lived at home till I was 27. So that helped me not have debt. Some of you guys, I didn't go to college. I mean, I had some benefits to how my life worked. But even with my husband and I, you know, we would work six jobs just to stay out of debt. Like we're not going to go into debt and we're going to keep it clean and all that. And then God has blessed us with buying a home, making enough to buy another home. And now we have bought another home, but the, I've never had that luxury. And I've always thought like, that's scary. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want to add more debt to my life. I want to get paid down all my debt. So when I listened to this guy share why, why I called our tax guy and said, what do you think? He's like, if you can manage it, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you guys should definitely use a rental and buy the next home. And I said, well, we may not have, we may have blow up furniture in our next house because this money is meant for the next home. And, and he said, if you can do it, it'll be worth it. And I sitting across the table from that gentleman, I realized I don't think like a wealthy person. I think like a frugal, um, you know, uh, maybe like a good steward, but I don't think about building wealth and how the wealthy build wealth. That is a concept that we are not taught. We don't get. I didn't even know that you could invest or play with the stock market without having a degree. I mean, these are things that we don't understand. So I guess my question is, you mentioned the very beginning, good debt. Can mm -hmm. you explain good debt and how that works for us? 
So there's a lot of misconceptions in sort of the church culture that debt is a sin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I understand like why that belief exists. There's a scripture that says, um, you are a slave to the lender. And so there's whole platform is built on the scripture, but the Bible actually doesn't say debt is a sin anywhere. It says greed is a sin. There's a big distinction. In fact, even in the Old Testament, the Lord talks to the Israelites and he's like, hey, when you go to lend, because that's a way of life, don't charge interest to the Israelites, but you can to the foreigners. So lending, borrowing and lending, it was a part of that. And it's interesting because uh, the church kind of took a hold of this, like, don't ever, you know, go into debt. And so they removed themselves from the picture and I think because of that, it really has limited a lot of people to grow um, financially. So an example is I, at one point, owned a clothing store with a friend of mine for many years, and we wanted to expand. We wanted to move into a space that was twice the size. So we took out a loan. It was $50,000, which is a lot of money. It was super <laughs> scary, but it allowed us to do the build out, add more. You know, we had a denim bar. We had a shoe area. You know, it allowed us to add more product. And because of that, our sales increased by 60%. And in 12 months, we paid off the debt. So we had extra profits every month. Instead of pocketing the profit we pay down the debt. So short-term debt to increase sales or to increase your ability to create money is okay. My, um, so if your motivation is greed, yeah, not good. If your motivation is for to grow it's different. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Is it for greed or is it to grow? Yeah. So you really have to check yourself. And, you know, know what your motive is. And if it's to grow and you have a system in place where the debt is paid down, then you're okay. You know, the problem is a lot of people spend more money than they make. And so you really have to be disciplined. And if you're that person, then maybe you shouldn't have a credit card. And if you do have one, make sure that it has a zero balance every month. Yeah. And like use the points, travel. Like there's a lot of benefits from a credit card that you pay off every month. So I just think that the situation with debt is it it's actually not a sin. Yeah. But if you use it for greed and you're using it to have the bigger house and the nicer car to impress and to feed the flesh, then it can be a vehicle for sin. Really just like anything else. Just like anything else. Yeah. It becomes, you know, if your idol is money, right, then you only can serve that or God. So you really have to be grounded and you have to know what your identity is because listen, our ability to save, give and invest is deeply rooted in our identity as a daughter or a son. So like if your dad was the king of England and like you were married to the prince, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Would you think different? Mm -hmm. You would have all these resources (laughs) at your fingertips and But we have like, our father is the king. And so he knows who he needs to connect you with. He knows the doors that need to be open and he knows the resources that you need. And, you know, the Bible talks about heaven has a treasury. And so you can pull from that and you can say on earth as in heaven and pull it down because sometimes the transaction happens in heaven before it actually manifests on earth. But we have to align our faith with these big visions that require finances that God gives us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, okay, I'm ready. Like, what do I do? What, what's the first step? So how do we know 
where to invest money for it to grow? Like, how do we know it's a short-term investment? And like, how do we know that? Because I can think about, you know, I have a couple friends that have made a, a lot of money last year and they're thinking, do I buy a house for a rental? Do I expand my living so I can finally live the way I want to? How, how do we navigate that and actually figure that out? Yeah, totally. So I think that obviously it's like an individual basis of like what people's needs and wants and okay. what it is. So, yep. you know, um, if somebody did really well that sh- last year and they're like, what do I do? Yes. Um, I'm always one to encourage multiplication. But at the same time, if they need a bigger home because they have six kids or, yeah. you know, something like that, it's not a bad idea to invest in real estate either. Yeah. It would just be their personal residence. Yes. So there isn't necessarily a right and a wrong answer. It's more of what season is your family in yeah. and what is the best use of this money for that season. Yeah. And another family could be like, oh my gosh, we finally can have a brokerage account. We can finally be investing in the stock market. I mean, look, the market was up like 25% last year. <laughs> yeah. Like you literally were just making money while you were sleeping. On average, over a 10-year period, the stock market usually does like 10%. But because of everything with COVID, there was a huge pullback and then a recovery. So for a very new investor who's like, I don't know what to do and I feel super insecure and I don't want to buy the wrong thing (laughs) and it feels like gambling and I don't want to lose all my money. (laughs) Yes. I just want you to look in your purse right now and tell me what the brand of your phone is. And I want to know where you spent your money the last week. Did you go to Target? Did you go to McDonald's? Do you have an iPhone? Is it Apple? And I want you to start thinking about where you're spending your money. And those are the stocks to invest in. Because then you don't feel as guilty when you spend there because you're like, I'm helping the stock price. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So that's where you start. You start with what you're consuming. And that's where you start with your portfolio. It's brilliant. So people can buy your book and it gives them an opportunity to know how to do this step by step. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and like, oh my gosh, what do I do next? You've spent your energy and time investing in a resource that people can actually pick up and start from there. So the thing that I'm kind of gathering as we're talking is... There's a partnership with the Holy Spirit that I think we miss in the financial world where we're like, oh, sacred and secular. Oh, you know, I can give to the kingdom, but like my finances feel kind of dirty and like, oh, I got to figure this out. So how do people kind of begin to see it as sacred, our finances? I mean, you kind of have walked us through that, but what are some of the narratives that you kind of tell yourself in the midst of dealing with finances that keep it sacred for you. Like, I know one thing you talked about is my dad's the king. Mm -hmm. Like that's a narrative that you really probably work towards and think about, but how do we start to like, I think some of us have negative narratives, like, totally. um, you know, I, I I never am good at finance and you know, my husband spends all the money and I mean, those kind of things, or, you know, I just need enough to get by. That's all I need. I'm grateful. There's these limiting beliefs. So how do we start to kind of, begin to change our belief system. So I think it's really important to know that the Lord is the one who creates wealth, not us. We just give him our yes. And the parable of the sower where it was 30, 60, and 100 fold, he was talking about believers. Wow. So my question is, why isn't all 100 fold? And the answer to that is, it's 
our response to trusting him because what's going to happen is maybe somebody has like 500 bucks or like a thousand dollars and like okay lord like i've never invested before i have no idea what i'm doing but i want to lean into the holy spirit i want you to guide me and show me what i should do with this money and you do it and it's scary but you do it afraid and then you're like oh okay this is like working out and then you take a little bit more and you're like okay lord i have a little bit more what should i do with this and it's like okay Maybe we'll do that as a down payment, as a rental property now. And you're like, oh, okay. And now you're stewarding this house and you have renters and you're you're being an honoring landlord and fixing things that need to be fixed. Yeah. And God's like, okay, I trust you. Now I'm going to give you this. And so it's not like, here's a million dollars, figure it out. <laughs> like usually it's, our, it's a muscle to trust God with your money. And it takes us saying yes in a step of faith and doing the thing and then you build, it builds more trust and then he gives you more and then it builds more trust. And then before you know it, you're the one in the parable who's getting a hundredfold because he can trust you. And then it's 10 cities. Yeah. So it's, it's a relationship and it's a partnership and it's a constant dialogue of as money comes in every month, having, um, a discipline of where that money goes and knowing that in the end, like it's God's money. Yeah. Like he's the creator of yeah. everything. He's like, that. he's the one who's like a genius times infinity. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? I think we sort of rely on our own knowledge and our own um, control to make decisions. And it's really important to constantly bring in and be like, okay, God, like I'm not going unless you're coming yeah. with me. Yeah. And listen, in my personal life with my husband and I, we have made investments that, that have not made any sense. Okay. Like the Lord literally had us buying up vacant lots during a pandemic. And I was like, okay, hopefully this doesn't go sideways. And like we specifically, like we specifically heard from the Lord, take the land, like do it, like literally. So like, okay, Lord, like let's do this. And it was scary and I did it afraid, but I knew I heard from the Lord and it worked out because the market went up and God knew that because Jesus knows the end from the beginning. I mean, like there's people with the prophetic gift, but like they don't always know the end from the beginning. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So sometimes he has you do things that don't make sense. Yeah. And that's a, that really builds your faith and that gives you history. So what I would encourage the person who's listening, who's like, I have no experience in finance. I have no idea where to start is to just go before the Lord and be like, okay, God, I want, to partner with you with what you have for me, for the destiny over my finances, for me personally, or for my family. What does that first step look like? I want to build this muscle and I want to have a history with you in this. I love that. I love that. Okay. So how much time should each of us be spending on our finances a month? So weekly, I should say. I mean, yeah, you know, obviously that depends on how complicated it is but if somebody has like never done a financial plan before you know you're probably gonna have to sit down with your spouse for a couple hours you know like one or two hours I would say the subject of finance should not really be delved into longer than like two hours because you start to glaze over and and that's me and I was like in the industry investing money I was like I did this for like 15 20 years Okay. So after about two hours, I'm like, I'm done. (laughs) Okay. So let me backtrack. Cause one thing you said was you sit down with your spouse. I'm telling you, there are people on here that are like, my spouse is the only one that's not going to partner with me on this. Like, I don't know how to move forward because of my spouse. 
And I okay. know that I don't have that. I mean, praise yeah. God. I, I'm more the but spender, it's out there. So he probably thinks it's me. He's <laughs> like, I know what you're talking about because it's probably me. But how does somebody manage if it's their spouse who's like not in it? Okay. So then if, so then we come up with a presentation and we present <laughs> a to PowerPoint the, presentation. We no. present to the spouse and we say, Hey, like I looked at our finances for the yeah. past six months. Here's what we're spending. Here's what we're making. Here's what we're giving. And if we move a few of these things around, we can start putting money away in an account every month to save up for X, Y, or Z. Maybe you have a passion to bake and you would love to own a bakery listen, you can get a small business loan and open up a bakery, but it requires a down payment. There are ways to make money that do not include the stock market or real estate. Mm -hmm. You can own a business and make money. So it's really important to like sort of dig deep. What are you passionate about? And if you're like, I literally have no skills, the stock market is your friend. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that if you can sit down, come up with a plan, present it to your spouse with the goal in the heart of, I want us to succeed. I want us to make sure that our ceiling is our children's floor. I want us to have generational wealth. I want our kids to have more than we had when we were like first married. You know, it, it comes from a place of wanting to provide. Yeah. It's, it's um, bigger than you. Yeah. So it, the plan is the purpose of sort of having a financial plan and sticking to it. And listen, like every six months to a year, it might change a little, but just knowing like you're heading in a direction and you're single-minded about it because truly it's better to be single-minded even if you're wrong than to be double-minded because people who are double-minded get nothing accomplished. So just stay on that path. And if you're on it for six months and you're like, you know what, we should tweak this or that, then tweak it. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Like this is not high stakes. Yeah. And that right there, it doesn't have to be perfect. So all of you that have overthought this and are panicked, let's just calm down. It does not be perfect. You get to change your mind. You get to adjust. You're in the driver's seat. So I think that's part of it. And then what you said is present to your spouse kind of what the plan is. I think some of us are like trying to get our spouse to start on step one with us. And I think you're saying it's okay to be the expert in the marriage in this area and get it together. And then if they only have 10 minutes of grace or 30 minutes of grace, then give them that and, and get to the point, show them, but keep moving. One of my girlfriends, her husband hates talking about finance and, and he's very like, enjoys fun and so they have a meeting every Sunday and she calls it budget bonanza (laughs) and they sit down and she's like it's budget bonanza time and she says I have about 30 minutes to an hour to go through all of our expenses and what our plan is for the month but she's learned a way to instead of just demonizing her husband of like he doesn't care he doesn't want to do this like make it fun yeah she made it fun for him and so I love that for us we had to invite somebody into the marriage like we're part of a thruple that sounds terrible but literally like we had to have another person in our financial world that was like here's what's going on here's what you need to do so some of you need to invite somebody else like a financial planner somebody not another spouse I hope you're clear with that but somebody in it that can actually help you so it might be a financial planner it might be even a parent somebody that's just good at this that can help you set up a budget or learn a software or figure it out I always like to follow in like 
bloggers or influencers, there's a lot of budget people out there that have ways to kind of go, here's how we do it, the envelope system or whatever. But I wanted to say this, and I know there's this big financial world in the church world that is like, no debt, here's the 10 steps to finances. And if you know what I'm talking about, and I don't want to name names because- And we bless them. We bless them. And I've had them, I've had members of them on this podcast. So there's, there's no, nothing wrong, but how would your view differ from that? So that when people are listening, they're thinking, but that doesn't line up with the 10 steps to freedom. How would you differ? And where do we miss it sometimes when it comes to just like almost mimicking what other people are telling us rather than being in the driver's seat? So what I really love about the 10 steps to freedom is it's, um, kind of the only teaching we have in the church. And so, I love that there's something, that there's a voice talking about money, talking about finance, teaching, you know, how to not have debt and how to invest and get the life insurance and do the college accounts for your kids, just the basic fundamental principles of finance. So I actually think it's really beautiful and I have a lot of respect for, you know, everyone who's on that platform teaching it. Yeah. Um, I sort of come in uh, from a Jewish perspective. I know, and I, I just have to stop you right there because you're thinking legacy. I mean, that's a very Jewish, like you're saying, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about my kids and yep. my, you, and I, I literally want to be like, okay, tell me the secret. Because everybody that I know that has a Jewish heritage, you are known for wealth. You're known for building legacy and all of that. And people will say, oh, it's just the golden touch of the Jewish people. But there is some real clean and clear, like foundational like formative foundational, I want to say like keys that we're missing somehow. We're not seeing that same wealth. So yes, tell me, that's what I want to know. (laughs) Tell me all the Jewish secrets. (laughs) Yes, please. I have the name, but I don't have the the heritage. (laughs) Um, So what my, what I teach that's like a little bit different is really from my Jewish upbringing and also my experience in the finance industry that allows you to multiply your money and to grow wealth. And sometimes in order to do that, it takes debt. So for instance, we talked about real estate. So somebody, you know, they get a loan for the mortgage and they put the down payment on. Well, what happens is the renters end up paying your mortgage off for you. So you're only really in for the down payment. And then eventually you have this asset, which is anything that you can convert to cash. That's what an asset is. And it's paid off. And then once it's paid off, it's just income every month. But had you never taken that loan out and allowed somebody else to pay it off for you, you would not have a piece of property that is now giving you income every month. But the thing about the 10 steps is it's really good for like um, foundational practices and responsibility. So it just hits like a mass audience just from like, like big picture aerial view, like it isn't really great to have debt. And I think that too, but I, I'm more like credit card, Yeah. yeah but, yeah, yeah. but if you need to take a small business loan out because you want to open up a clothing store or a Pilates studio or a bakery or a kid's play gym and the profits from that business pay the loan off, then it pays for itself. Yeah. All you did was come out of a down payment, which eventually you'll get back once the loan's paid off. Well, what about people that say you're never going to see that asset because it's going to take you 30 years for someone to pay that debt? Is it that is that the generational thinking? Is, yeah, it may take 30 years for your renters to pay it, but ultimately that still goes 
if you're in crisis, you can cash in. Because I do find that that's kind of the narrative is, well, but I'm not going to save that money. Everybody wants the instant gratification. Well, there's a few things around that. A normal mortgage is 30 years. But if you throw one extra payment at it a year, you shave off 10 and now it's only 20. And chances are the rent you're charging is more than your mortgage. So you can sort of work those numbers out where yeah. you do like a 13th payment every year and now you own it free and clear in 20. But it is generational thinking. And, you know, the average person is like living like 100 years. We are. We're living a long time. A long time. <laughs> so like retirement isn't really 60 anymore. It's like 85. It is. It so, is. You know, for those of you who are like in your 20s or your 30s, like chances are you're going to be like hanging out probably for like 60 more years. And that's like a really long time. So if you can set things in motion where you can set up so that your children benefit and then their children benefit, it's worth it. Like I said earlier, it's not just about you. Yeah. What about the age limit? Like what if I have somebody listening to this in their, in their 70s and they're like, okay, I've got my retirement fund. It's cash, a couple hundred thousand, maybe a, a half million dollars is sitting in that just in case I get in trouble. Yeah. When do they start? Do they take risks? Because I'm thinking that's still little soldiers sitting there waiting for you to have a crisis. So if you're over the age of like 75, I would not recommend the stock market. I think you should do something more conservative like bonds. There's something called a tax free bond. Yes. And it's simply that you put your money into a bond and it gives you tax free interest, which means you don't pay money on the interest, but the principal stays. So when you sort of get into that age bracket, you want to take less risk. I mean, maybe they're 70 and they're like running right, triathlons right, right. <laughs> and they're like, I don't care. Like, let's throw it all on red. But for the most part, I'm generally speaking. That. Yeah. And so that's really, um, you had mentioned a financial advisor. Financial advisors are great. It's super helpful to have a mediator, especially if it's a point of tension um, in a marriage. So I definitely recommend meeting with one, research it in your area. Um, you don't have to have a lot of money. The first question you ask them is, do you have a minimum? Mm. And a lot of them don't. They don't. They don't. Mm -mm. They're happy to help you. They're happy to grow with you. If you do well, they do well. And so if nothing else, it's a a meeting that doesn't cost you any money, like a consulting, you know? So I would definitely take that route. If you don't feel comfortable coming up with a plan and presenting it to your spouse, get somebody else involved. I love that. I love that so much. So you guys, you, you, I hope that you're, you're probably gonna have to listen to this again because there's so many good tips to this um, and things that I'm learning myself that you're saying that I'm like, yeah, I, I've heard that. Okay, that's clear. So if people want more from you, how do they find you? What are they, where do they go? So on Instagram, you can find me under the handle Money Handbook. And on Amazon or the Bethel Bookstore online, you can purchase the book. It's Money Handbook, Spiritual Keys, and Practical Steps to Finance. And it's really just that. I cover a lot of scripture of what God has to say about money and its purposes in your life, which is um, really tied to your identity as his daughter or his son. And I also give a ton of practical advice on how to invest, how to set your kids up, how to set um, yourself and your spouse up as well. So it's... It's kind of like a Bible study about finance. Yeah, I, I sense that. We're talking about identity, and I don't know if I've ever had that with finance. So I'm very excited about getting back into the book. I have flipped through it. I read certain portions that I really liked, but I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go 
front to front to back and really get in it. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. You know, again, our goal is to just help you hit you where you're at and hopefully give you the next step. If you enjoyed this podcast, will you do me a favor? Will you write a review or maybe give us five stars? But you can also name the episode that you liked. So if you loved this podcast, then actually say, I liked the Financial Focus podcast with the number in the reviews. And that gives us a chance to know what you guys like to hear. Um, Today's been incredible. Thank you for being with us. And um, hey, you guys have a great week. Next week, we're going to talk again about focus. We're going to get there. And um, yeah, I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.